You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. So excited about today's episode where I talk to a guy who climbed Mount Everest. I know you're probably thinking, uh, Trip, what does that have to do with anything? Dating, sex, relationships? I don't understand. Well, here's the thing. In order to be able to climb Mount Everest, you need a lot of courage, you need a lot of resiliency, and a lot of other types of skills that actually go hand in hand with being able to be someone who's great with women. Now, we're not going to be necessarily talking about those specific skills, but what's cool is John Beatty, this guy who I interviewed who climbed Mount Everest, he wrote a book called The Warrior Challenge, Eight Quests for Boys to Grow Up with Kindness, Courage, and Grit. And he's going to be talking about these eight quests on this episode. We're going to touch upon all of them, which are amazing lessons that are going to absolutely help you with women and dating. Now, I know that the book is called Eight Quests for Boys to Grow Up with Kindness, Courage, and Grit. But he explains that these are lessons that are for any man. And they're not kiddish lessons. They're really lessons that need to be instilled in every guy. So it's something you didn't learn when you were younger. You're going to learn about it now. We talk about these eight quests or these eight lessons that are so important, so crucial. And what's cool is I found that probably about 75% of these lessons or these quests are things that I have talked about to you on this podcast or I talk about on my YouTube channel. They're lessons that I teach in my coaching program. So they are so important and they're so awesome and, and just motivational. I was about to say fun. I guess for me, motivational is fun, but it is fun. It's fun, it's motivational, it's great stuff that's going to help you on your journey. So if you're looking to get motivated and want those deeper lessons into life to become a better man, you're going to get that here with John Beatty. By the way, just for anyone who doesn't know, Mount Everest is the Earth's highest mountain above sea level. Okay, So it is a very high mountain and one of the most difficult to climb in the world. People actually die trying to climb this mountain. And sadly enough, John is going to tell us a, a little story about some climbers that he was with that did unfortunately did not make it. So we'll be talking about that and really just understanding all the craziness that he had to go through to be able to climb this mountain. So his lessons are powerful and you're going to get them here today. Don't forget, if you need these lessons instilled in you personally and you want them to be custom to you, I can help you with that. Let me help you with that. Go to coachedbytrip.com where you can apply for coaching with me one-on-one personal services from me to you. You apply today. You and I will get on the phone. I will talk to you personally, figure out more about what your issues are and where I can help you. At the least, you'll get out of it is a call that's going to give you a bigger idea of where you're at and how you can get help. And I'd love to work with you. I got a lot of guys who are applying but I do pick a lot of people who do apply because people have been really pouring their hearts out into these applications. It's not a hard application process. It only takes about 10 minutes at the most to go through this and just answer a few questions just so I know you and to see if I can help you. So if you want to do coaching with me one-on-one, we do phone calls, you get text messaging with me, you're going to get all my programs like my Hooked program, all that good stuff, you can do it. So apply today at coachedbytrip.com. Here we are. Let's move on to my interview with Mount Everest climber, John Beatty. You're going to love this episode. 
Hey, John, what's going on, man? It's great to have you on the podcast today. Trip, I'm excited to be here. Let's dive in. Listen, I have a secret fantasy, and I'm not going to go sexual. Don't worry. I have a secret <laughs> fantasy that I know I'll never do because it's just not something I'll have time for, or really even have the actual passion to do. But it is something like in my head, I'm like, man, it'd be always cool. It'd be so awesome to climb Mount Everest. And you are the first person I've talked to that has actually done that. And I just think that's amazing. And it's just so cool. Can you just like tell us a little bit about that before we dive even further? Like, what does it take to do something like that? I mean, that that could have been a suicide mission. Absolutely. And it is for many people. And and you hit the nail on the head when you said they maybe you don't have the actual passion to do that. And I think that we all kind of have these dreams of like getting to the actual summit or just being on the summit, but not willing to go through the the work and the dedication that nobody else will ever see. So it took me 17 years of climbing other mountains, traveling all over the world. I've been to 67 countries now. Most of it focused around mountaineering and rock climbing. I spent nine months of dedicated preparation, training like a professional Olympic athlete to be ready for the mountain because I think of my body as my best piece of equipment, my best tool while climbing. And then two months on the mountain facing lethal dangers on a daily basis. Nine people died while I was uh, on the mountain and having that emotional fortitude. Like next to strength. you? Like with you? So, two were, two were, you two were in, two were in close proximity to I knew, yes. Man, that's crazy. So to have all that, like that dedication and then stand on the summit for that, those 11 minutes, you got to dig deep to know that that's actually the thing you want. You have to like own that that is what your purpose is, your your destiny, so to speak. That's the thing that is what your life is about. It, it's really true. And, and I'm glad that you pointed out what I said because I did mean it like that. Like It's not actually a passion because if it was, if I really wanted something, I would go and get it. And I tell yeah. guys that too. It's like, do you really want to you know, get over your fear of approaching women and meet more women? If you really do, then you're going to do it. And you'll find a way, and you'll 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 fight tooth and nail to make it happen, you know, just like you did with Mount Everest and me, you know, telling you like, yeah, it's a sure that'd be fun, and <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a fantasy of like, oh man, wouldn't it be crazy if one day that happened. But I know deep down that's not an actual passion of mine, so it's not something I will do. But it does take that real passion to make anything you want happen, just like you did with with Mount Everest. So. I like how um, Tony Robbins says that pain is more of a motivator for us than pleasure. So if you, if you want, you won't to, like get out of your comfort zone to talk to a woman unless you have so much pain around the idea of sitting around alone and never being uh, in a relationship. Once that pain really drives you, like I'm sick of this, I'm done with it, I'm I'm gonna go for it. Same thing with climbing mountains. It was more painful for me to be sitting at home wondering what it would have been like to be on the summit. When that pain hit that threshold of, I have to do this, otherwise my life will be incomplete, that was the driving force. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So you did that and you wrote a book. We were talking about it before we got on this interview. What's the book called? The book is called The Warrior Challenge. Eight Quests for Boys to Grow Up with Kindness, Courage, and Grit. And I wrote this because I spent nine years climbing the tallest mountain on every continent. And to me, that was my rite of passage. 
It was this self-imposed journey from boyhood to manhood. And I didn't know that it was a rite of passage while I was on this giant quest to every continent and uh, climbing these tall, the tallest mountains, including in Antarctica. But when I got back, I, I mean, now I can say, I'm a grown man. My boyhood is behind me. And that's what is in this book, these, these principles that I learned. Now, not everybody's into mountaineering and climbing. So instead of just telling my mountaineering stories, I also put in stories about like jumping over the Great Wall of China on a skateboard, which is what Danny Wei did, or off-road racing in Mexico or escaping from communist countries or exploring in Antarctica and your ship sinks. Like I have like the most amazing stories of badass dudes who exemplified the values and the virtues that I learned while climbing. And I think that it's, I know that it's helping young men and and men who read it, uh, even adults. So that's what's in this book. Well, if you're down to take the quest to talk about some of these quests, I would like to do that with you. Maybe just briefly touch upon these eight different quests. And if guys want to dive in deeper, they can get the book. I'm, I'm guessing it's on Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's a bright red cover. Just type in the Warrior Challenge and it'll, it'll pop right up and uh, order it for yourself. Or if you have a young man in your life, if you've got a son, if you have a nephew, read this with him because it'll influence and impact both of you to step up as men. So what's in the book? Challenge number one, quest one, is to just it's to step up. It's to make a decision to improve yourself as a man, to be a better person than the template of society's version of a man that's given to us. Quest number two is to... Well, hang on. Now you're going too fast. Because okay, okay. We'll slow it down. Right. Yeah, let's <laughs> slow it down. I want, I want to talk about each and every one of these. Let's do so it. the first one, so you said... Step up. So say it again. Someone to to make the decision to step up. It's to live with intentionality, to choose the kind of human being you're going to be. Because most of us just, we're jelly. Most people are jellyfish. They go with the current. They are who society says that they should be. They get in a job. Like, all right, cool. I'll just float along in this job. And there's not this drive, this intention, this direction. And that is a core component of being a masculine male if that's what your intention is, and that's what I think what most people listening to this are, are out to get, it's to, to say, there is no other choice except to improve upon who I used to be. And I'm already moving towards who I want to become. Back in the day, if you wanted to be a man in the Maasai tribe, in Tanzania, Kenya current day, you had to fight a lion, hunt and kill a lion with a spear. And if you couldn't do that, you weren't a man. In Vanuatu, you had to jump from a hundred foot tree with vines tied around your legs to prove that you didn't fear death. In the Hamar tribes in Ethiopia, you had to run across freshly castrated bulls while naked to prove your manhood. Like they had these tasks that were life threatening. The, the, the young man had to say, I am going to step up to show to my society and to myself that I'm made of more than I even think is capable. And so that's what it means to step up. It's to make that choice for yourself. I'm going to go after things that are bigger than I think I can achieve, that are going to not only impress other people if I do them, but they're going to impress me because I'm making that choice to emerge as something bigger than even what I believe I have within me. And that is more attractive to women. Having purpose 
having something that you're doing with your life and not just floating by. So that's a big one. And I like the idea too of intentionality. I, I believe that in the macro when and also the micro, you know, intention, bigger intentions of your life, but also micro intentions. Everything you do, I believe, should should be with intention. You know, whether it be you know, basically anything that's happening in your present moment, is that you you know, actually focusing and listening to a podcast? Are you multitasking? Mm-hmm. Are you spending time with your friend? Are you looking at your phone a little bit? Are you going out to you know do a good workout, or are you just kind of half-assing it? Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that that's all related to. I like that. What's the so? Let's go to the second one. What's the second one? Second one is so I take Danny Way. This is where he jumps over the Great Wall of China, and in that moment, he had a broken ankle. So he launches himself because this is the day. Like all the media is there. They've shown up. They can't reschedule it. They're going to break the, the, this ramp down, this million dollar ramp that they had built for him. And the skill that he embodies is to become self aware. It's to be able to observe his body, say, Yeah, my ankle hurts like hell, but there's a greater purpose. And I'm going to ignore, not ignore that that pain is there, but see that he's bigger than what his pain is telling him. His, his pain was telling him, uh, you can't do this. It's too big of a jump. It's the world record setting jump. It's never been done before. This is nuts. You know, those are all the, the messages that are being sent through his mind. But then he says, like the other part of his brain, the observer, the witness in him, which is what it means to be self-aware is to see your own thoughts. That says, that's a bunch of BS. You know, you've got this, you've trained for this. Yeah, your ankle hurts, but you've had broken bones that you've skated on in the past. You've been completely like he just fractured his ankle. You've been you've you've had some of the greatest wipeouts of all time, like ranked as some of the most painful wipeouts ever in skateboarding history. You've got this. And so the fact that he could observe these negative messages that his brain was giving him and then become fully present, just like you mentioned, like presence is everything. That's self-awareness. And that's what the second quest is to learn how to observe your thoughts and then tell them to shut up that they're wrong and choose with intentionality which thoughts are better. Cool. I like that. Yeah, that's like when you see a woman and you want to go talk to her, the fear kicks in. And then what are you saying to yourself? No, she's going to reject me. No, she'll never go for this. You know, no, she'll, she'll, you know, run away. And no, she probably has a boyfriend. She's really pretty or whatever else you might say to yourself. In any of those moments, I remember I, I, I had a moment kind of like this the other day when I was working out. I was doing a really hard workout as at the end of one of my work sets. So you know, I was doing. I think I was doing some uh, some squatting, and it was getting really hard. And I just did exactly what I tell guys to do in that moment. There's those moments where you're feeling that pain, the lactic acid is burning your muscles up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, so you got to stop. That's it. You can't get the last rep. Like you got to stop. This is, this is no good. You know, all the, like going a million miles per hour, your brain is just like, no, 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 no. Like pain, pain, go away. You know, got to get out of this. And so I was like, in that moment, pushing and coaching myself through it and trying to be the opposite. I was like, nope. Don't say that. Say the opposite. You got this. Trip, you got this. You can do this. Come on. I know it's hard. Yeah, it burns. Burning is good. That's good. You want that. You want this. Don't don't fight the pain. You want the yes. pain. I was just really pushing myself. Yes. And then I got it. And afterwards, I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what I'm telling guys to do when it comes to going out and doing approaches and everything else. 
And it sounds identical to what you're saying here with this quest number two. It's so identical. I mean, I was a teenager. I had horrible acne and I had this message in my mind. I can't go talk to this girl because she'll see that I have a zit on my face and then I'll just be, I'll have shame for, you know, and she'll reject me. And later, like in my 20s, I'd reconnect with some of these people from high school and they'd be, how come you never came and talked to me? Meanwhile, my message in my brain was like, because I I had this stupid story going on that I was going to get rejected. So it goes from everything from pickup to improving your physical prowess, if you will, like you did in the gym or like I've done while climbing mountains. I saw this quote on Instagram. It was attributed to Muhammad Ali, but who knows? Because, you know, everybody's attributing things to like, <laughs> they're heroes, but the, the, the concept is spot on. And that's that he didn't start counting his sit-ups until it started hurting. And I thought that was so profound because those, those ones up until the pain start, they don't count. They're just like the warm-up. The real change happens not only in your body, but in your mind, as you just mentioned, when the pain has started and you're able to overcome those negative messages in your mind. So if you're a guy listening to this and you're like, gosh, should I go talk to that girl? Identify what message it is that your brain is telling you and what excuses you're coming up with for yourself. And then learn to replace those thoughts with better, more empowering messages that help you with your overall intent and your goal. Because those messages, they are not you. You're the person who is able to see those messages. And if you can see that message, then you know that it's not actually your identity. And your identity is the one that you choose for yourself. Awesome. Cool. All right. What's, what's quest number three? Quest number three is to shift your finish line. And I met this guy who is a Baja Mill, Baja 1000 off-road racer. So there's this race in Mexico that goes down the Baja Peninsula. It's a thousand miles minimum. In his case, it was 1,200 miles. And he was racing it in a Volkswagen Beetle. It's the hardest possible vehicle you can drive on this race. And he does it to raise money for a battered women's and children's shelter. And he comes to the, uh, the end of the race. He's out racing for something like three days. And his little car, it's called Bachito. Bachito loses a wheel and he's like launched down this staircase. The whole of the car is falling apart and he's like trying to lean backwards with his co-pilot uh, as they're like balancing this thing on a tripod, trying to just like cross this finish line and they end up not finishing in time. Well, because they didn't finish in time, they actually gained more money for the shelter because all this publicity got drawn to this like dramatic scenario. And he considered that a giant win. So even though he didn't pass somebody else's finish line that they painted across the desert floor, he succeeded enormously in his own finish line that he created for himself. And that message flips around to you and I or to the people listening to this podcast as you've got to figure out what your version of success is. What do you define success? How do you define success for yourself? Most people are like, oh, it's when I get this picket white fence house and I've got my three kids and my wife and then that is success and that could very well be you. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it's not for absolutely everybody. So the way that I define success as a human being is the values that I live by. And personally for me, those are environmental consciousness that's living in integrity uh, with who I am as a person when I'm on my own and when I'm with other people. It's being excellent at setting healthy boundaries. Uh, it's being a great communicator. 
These are the things that I define success by. It's how I uplift others. And so each man needs to make a choice to determine what his own values are for himself and paint his own finish. Is this about the idea of comparing yourself to other people as well? Is that what you're getting at a little bit here? There's certainly like an undertone of that. Yeah. Like, That's just what I'm getting from it a little bit. I know that maybe is not exactly what it is, but the way you're describing it, it makes me feel this idea of you're on your own path. It's not fair to compare yourself to other people. That's something I get a lot from clients I work with. You know, oh, my friends are married. And oh, you know, like I got friends who hook up with girls all the time and whatever. And they're constantly comparing themselves to other people. And because of that, it, it puts them into a negative mind state. And it's not really fair to compare yourself to other people because everyone's just in different situations. I completely, I mean, Yes, 100%. And I can see how that lesson is indirectly drawn from this. I love the story of Vincent van Gogh. The guy died thinking he was a total failure because he put all this work into his art that he thought was his, like the most brilliant thing he could create, but society didn't accept it. It wasn't until decades after his death that he was lauded as one of the greatest painters of all time. So he never saw his paintings be valued at millions of dollars. It was society that needed to shift to catch up with his vision. It's crazy, you, right? It's crazy. Like, do you, And the, the lesson I take from that is, do I have the dedication to my purpose, to my art, so to speak, to not care what others think? I mean, of course, I'm not going to like cut off my ear and go into like mental depression or like, you know, like all this, these issues that Van Gogh had. But like the the core of that story, the brushstrokes of that story point towards this idea that you just need to live your purpose and not define your success based on, do I have as much money as Elon Musk or do I have ripped abs, abs like Terry Crews or like, am I picking up dozens of women at a nightclub in the course of a month? Well, I don't, personally, I don't want that. I want a healthy monogamous relationship where we uplift each other and I want that that long term thing like I'm a serial monogamous that's what I am jazzed by in life so when I see somebody who's picking up dozens of women I'm like uh, not like I don't see that as success and of course there are communities and worlds where somebody else would say like man you're a legend you're a hero so each guy has to determine what his own version of success is awesome that was great. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, let's do it. So I kind of take a pause in the story there to talk about my experience climbing Everest. I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast that two people passed away next to me. And what that resulted in was post-traumatic stress disorder. I was up close and personal with one guy on when he was on his last breath. His teammates had left him behind. I didn't know who he was. I tried to save him, resuscitate him but it was too late for the guy. And it really sent me into this questioning of myself. Am I enough? Do I care about people? After I encountered him, I went and summited still. So I was like, man, am I just selfish? Or should I have, should I have tried more? Should I have like tried to start some rescue effort? And in hindsight, and my thought then, it's still true. It's all like in hindsight. And then my thought was, this will just put more people's lives at risk in this high altitude environment and it's freezing, it's minus 40 degrees out. So all these thoughts, 
I had to overcome through the act of being vulnerable. And I sat down with a therapist, professional psychologist, and broke apart some of these ideas that led to this, this condition. And I think that every guy needs to have someone who is not his romantic partner that he can share his shit with. If you dump it on your partner or the person you're dating, like these aren't, we don't live in the movies where that's an attractive thing. That repels people. At some point, yeah, they need to know the brushstrokes of your story, but to work through that stuff, it's so much better to work with a professional or a friend who's super good with these things like that Yoda friend you've got that just is like this thousand-year-old Buddha in a human body. It's your buddy. Work through it with somebody who's not your romantic partner so that you can then bring your strength to your romantic partner. So I take a little pause in the, in the quest to, to lay that story out. That's interesting. I mean, that is direct relationship advice there. you know. And, and I agree with that 100%. Is It's not, you know, just to support and back what you're saying here, it's not that you can't talk to your girlfriend or your wife about things that are vulnerable or tough. It's just that the repetitiveness of doing that and acting as if she's your therapist, it just kills attraction and it can actually deteriorate the relationship. It's the same thing on the other side too. You know, if, if a man, you know, continues to hear a woman just lay out all of the negativity and the things in her life and trying to get help all the time, it becomes a different type a type of relationship. So it's better to get help from outside sources. This is what I'm gathering from what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, professional sources, if you can, with therapists, psychologists, right? And be the strongest version of yourself you can be in that relationship so you can preserve the relationship. That's just my analysis of what you said there, my interpretation. You absolutely nailed it. So fourth quest, my friend Wally Sturbu, he escaped from Romania when it was a communist country because he wanted to travel the world and the country wouldn't let him. So he buys seal blubber, like the, the sea dog, the, the ocean, you know, like seals. He buys a blubber, smears it all over himself as a makeshift wetsuit and swims across the icy Danube River to get to Yugoslavia, hitchhikes across the country. As he's at the border of Austria and Yugoslavia, guards see him, set their dogs on him, knock him out, throw him in a tank, take him to Yugoslavian prison. He's sent back to Romania where he spends a year in jail. The day he's out of jail, he starts his mission for escape again. Now he's learned the pattern of the guards on the Austrian border. Does the whole thing again. Seal blubber hitchhikes across the country, successfully crosses the border, starts applying for asylum in countries, ends up becoming a Chicago City firefighter. And he's climbed every one of the seven summits, the tallest mountains on every continent, except for Everest, which he's attempted twice and he's going for it a third time. He set boundaries. He said, I do not accept these standards of treatment for myself from my country. I want another standard of of treatment that allows me to travel because that's what my life is about. I will do everything and anything it takes to get away from where I'm at now and do everything it takes to get to where I want to be. When, if we shift this lesson over to relationships, there is nothing more attractive than being able to 
say, no, this isn't for me. This is what I'm going for. And to stand strong in your center, in your frame, and own who you are, your purpose, your mission, and not be derailed no matter how many shit tests are thrown at you from either from your woman or from life or from events. This is who I am. This is what I stand for. Regardless, that's one of the most attractive things I've learned that a guy can do. Got it. Got it. So do you have any other stories that represent that? For examples? In relationship context or in uh, any like context. badass story context? Yeah, any, any context. I'm a professional motivational speaker. It's, been my, it's how I've afforded to pay for these mountains. And there was a time when I would accept like, any fee that would come at me. And one client would, you know, we got 2,500 bucks in our budget. This is like in the early 2000s when I started. All right, cool. I'll do it. And another client comes and says, Hey, we got 500 bucks in our budget. Can you come speak to our like 50 kids in our youth group? Yeah, of course. Like I'm just out hustling. Yeah, I'll do it. Next thing you know, everybody's coming at me for the $500 price because word starts spreading. It's not until I set the boundary and said, My base rate fee is 2,500 bucks. If somebody calls, no matter how hard it is to say no to that money, even if it's $2,400, I will say no to that because that's my boundary. That's my standard. That's what my worth is. Now I'm like four times that rate and I'm learning that lesson again now. Super hard. And this time of, you know, with coronavirus, when their events aren't even happening, if a client comes to me and says, Hey, we got 3,500 bucks in my budget, I'm like, that sounds pretty appealing right now. But I stick to my guns. I know exactly what my price range is of what I will and won't accept. So it's, it's attractive as well for clients because if they know they can get me for 500 bucks or 300 bucks, they go, ah, he's probably not actually that good. But if they're like, yeah, he's actually sticking to it, he's not dropping below eight grand, I guess we got to find that money and it's going to be really good. And they have this ex- expectation that it's going to be a great experience. Same presentation. But because of that expectation, there's this weird thing that happens where their belief is that it's better as a result of them paying more money. Yeah, it's it's interesting how value works, you know. Yeah. Is is that's the thing. I remember when I first was doing coaching, when I first started TripAdvice 10 years ago, back in 2010, 2011. And of course, just starting a business, you know, it you start at low rates and I was a newbie coach. So I didn't even know how much value I had, but it, it's interesting. Even the type of of person that I would end up working with, when the rates were that low, they didn't take it seriously because yes, it's hard to value something that doesn't have value to it, right? That it's not. So if you put a low price on something, you might not value it. It's interesting too. Is like a speaker like you, you could do. Something for five hundred dollars, you could do it for eight thousand dollars, and I mean, not getting too nitty gritty with it. We'll just say that it's, you know, you'll probably deliver the same thing, generally speaking. <laughs> Very you know, something, yeah. Even there's something to be said about that. So I'll put a, a pin on that. But you doing it for that much more, which is the value, people are going to see the value in that. And then now going back to what I just said a second ago, but you know what? Even so. I bet you you would do a little bit better at the presentation for eight thousand than you would for five hundred. You mm-hmm. would just deliver it in a whole different way. You'd be more excited about it because you're feeling like you were valued at what the value actually is. But I understand what you're saying here with boundaries. 
And, and that's, a, that's a huge one. What's the next quest? Fifth quest is to form your battle crew. And I use the story of Tommy Caldwell and Kevin Jorgensen. They were the first people to climb the Dawn Wall, which is the hardest rock climb in the world. It's in Yosemite National Park up El Capitan. They were in the news all over when they finished this climb a couple of years ago. And even Obama like wanted to meet them and interview them because it was just such a big thing that these guys did this, this climb. Well, they would not have been able to climb it were it not for them combining their talents. Tommy was technically, he's probably technically the best climber on earth. He's been dangling off of 1,000, 3,000-foot cliffs in Yosemite since he was a boy. Meanwhile, Kevin Jorgensen was one of the strongest boulderers in the world. He had just climbed this, this climb called Ambrosia in Bishop, California, which was pushing the limits of like what bouldering could be. And so Kevin didn't know much about big wall climbing, but Tommy didn't, he, he couldn't pull down as hard as Kevin could. So by them joining their forces, they mutually improved one another. And that is the only way that they were able to succeed at climbing the world's hardest climb. Every guy needs a battle crew. People who complement his strengths, who make him an improved human being, and who he improves as well. If you want to have like success with women, start with forming your battle crew. Start with forming a group of guys who make you a better person, who push you in a positive way, who will call you out on your shit in a healthy and respectful way. Guys who respect your boundaries, who at least respect your values, but ideally who reinforce your values because they have those same values themselves. Cool. Yeah, that's great. It's uh, it's kind of like a one plus one equals three situation. Nailed it. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Sixth, uh, sixth quest is to be gritty, have resilience. Ernest Shackleton goes to Antarctica. His ship sinks and he, he makes his new mission instead of crossing the Antarctic continent. He makes his mission. Every man lives. And for two years, they ate seals, penguins, hunted walruses, they even lassoed a whale. And after these two years, he finally gets every single man off of these islands. They did this massive 800-mile rowboat journey across the most dangerous sea in the world. And he just persevered with grit and resilience. You've got to know how to stick your head down, put your nose to the grindstone, and day after day, week after week, go after your mission no matter what happens. It's like the famous saying is, uh, you know, when you fall off the bike, get on there again. It's like yeah. something you, you learn as a child. But I mean, that's something too that, that I like to share with coaching clients, with guys who listen to the podcast. Something I want to share with my, my children one day is, you know, at a very young age is, is that idea of resilience and the idea of trying. It's, it's not just the idea of getting up and trying again, in my opinion. It's also of how fast can you do that? Because there's a difference between falling off your bike and getting right back on versus falling off your bike and going again in a month. So yeah. how do we build that skill and that strength to even though we got rejected from a woman, we fell off our bike, we had, I don't know, a bad experience at work, whatever it is, you had a bad workout, how can you get back on the train and get back on there faster? Because the thing is, is if you plan on getting back to doing the thing that you want to do to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish, 
you're going to have that same feeling of getting back on, whether it's now or a month from now. So why don't we just do it now? Any thoughts on that in terms of just the idea of time? So I'm a competitive kite surfer. And I am like jumping at the 50-foot range. I'm trying to get it up to the 60-foot range. And I'm telling the story because you can take massive wipeouts when you're that high, high up. Like That's where your body's at. And to fall from that height or to mess up when you're that high in the air, you take huge crashes. So I took this gnarly wipeout. I'm like trying to shake it off and I'm ready to just, all right, let's go for it again. Let's go for it again. And my buddy who's at the level that I'm trying to get to, he's like, get to shore, get to shore. I'm like, all right, we go into shore. He says, do some deep learning, then come back out. I'm like, what are you talking about deep learning? He's like, sit here on the beach, put your kite down, visualize what happened, and then figure out what went wrong. Visualize it correctly at least three times, then come out and try it. And this was such a powerful lesson of instead of just like getting up absolutely immediately, going after it and doing the same mistake again, take a pause but that pause is the action taking, right? Because if you, if you just like mess up when you're talking to a girl, but then you like don't reflect on it, or if you just get dejected on yourself or, or like get down on yourself, that's what you and I are agreeing, don't go there. And I'm tacking on to that or adding it of take a pause that is action taking, reflect on what went wrong, correct the action, visualize it correctly, and then go for it again. I like that. That's a way better way of thinking about it, more of a systematic approach. Yeah, like, yeah. Something went wrong. Just take a second. Right away, you know, as, as soon as you can, dust yourself off. Dust yourself off. Think about it and think about what you can do better. And also, I want to add even on top of this, do it in an objective way. Yes. Not a, oh, I suck. I'm the worst. That was so bad. I'll never get this. How am I going to do this? Instead, look at it more. I like to say, look at it more like an experiment where you look at it and you say, okay, the experiment here is I'm trying to get better at this thing. So how do I take the emotion out of it just for a second and look at it more logically like it's a scientific experiment and look at it in terms of, okay, so something didn't work. What needs to change? What can I do better? And I think that's going to also help get to that point in a more efficient way. We all know what we need to do. And if you can create your story and pretend it's a friend that you're giving advice to, like if you tell yourself, oh, my friend came up to me and he told me about how he went up and talked to this girl and he said this and then she said that. If he's asking you for advice, what would you tell him? But this friend that you're creating this objective story for, that's actually yourself. It's the same thing that I was doing in kite surfing. Like, if my friend told me he was up in the air and he pulled down on this the right side of the bar when he's you know, when he's uh, like, I can go into technical terms with kiting, but if he, he makes this mistake, what would I tell him to correct that? That's what I was asking in this objective format, and I think that's that's the definition of deep learning is to exactly as you said, make it objective, make a story as though it's not you, and then give that person advice. Love it. Awesome. Seventh cool. quest is to carry anti-venom. And that means to avoid toxic people and avoid being a toxic person your, yourself. Man, there is nothing that can break a man down faster than 
being in a relationship with a narcissist or somebody with borderline personality disorder. And it is so important to be able to know when the effects of the, the venom, so to speak, are taking hold. And this is, this is something I've learned personally in relationships. And I, I think it's so critical to both not jump to conclusions. Oh, that girl's toxic or that person's toxic. That guy's toxic in my life, my boss. But be objective about it and really know what actually is a toxic trait. And then to know how to get that person out of your life or how to stop those things from, from dragging you down. Yep, that's huge. Escape the drama. I was just on a call with a, with a coaching client earlier and he's dating a woman. And without giving anything away, let's just say she's bringing drama in his life. And I told him that drama is going to bring you down. You mm-hmm. know, all that stuff is going to bring you down just because, you know, she's got some things going on in her life that may not be, you know, like you feel bad for him. You're like, oh, that, that kind of sucks and, and all of that. That doesn't mean it gives permission for it to bring you down. And I'm not saying it's her fault. I'm, it's all on you, right? Don't play victim. You yeah. can allow that into your life or you cannot. It's your, you know, in, in the words that you're speaking, John, it's, it's you're in control and in possession of the anti-venom. So. Exactly, exactly. Final quest, eighth quest, is to choose your battleground. Find what your purpose is in life. Make that your mission. Know how to identify what the problems are in the world that you want to battle, that are calling to your heart, and then to go fight that fight. I think every guy needs a battle to fight. And knowing when to say, nope, that's not the right battle for me, gives you the freedom, the space, the clarity to say, this is my purpose. This is my battle. And I'm giving everything I've got to this cause, to this job, to this system of beliefs or whatever it is, the thing that your battleground is. Each man needs to know how to choose that and own it. Awesome. Awesome. John, this was just very motivational stuff that's applicable in so many different areas of life and just stuff that I I personally teach in different ways to clients and to people who are listeners of the podcast. It's awesome that you wrote this book. And I really encourage anyone who's listening to check out the show notes and get this thing. I'm curious for you, John, what's what's next for you here? I mean, after you've climbed Mount Everest, you've published a book. (laughs) What, What else can one do? (laughs) That's a great question. You know, there's always bigger mountains to climb, whether they're literal mountains or not. And so next up for me, they actually determined that there's an eighth continent. So now I've got to go to New Zealand and climb the tallest mountain there if I want to say I've actually climbed the tallest mountain on every recognized geological continent. So that's like immediate for mountains. But when it comes to uh, bigger purpose, uh, I'm definitely all about... uh, environmental protection. And so I'm going to be focusing a lot of my, my next efforts in, instead of climbing the mountains, saving them and taking actions to, to help create change that reduce carbon output, carbon dioxide output, and, uh, and the, the, uh, the causes of global warming. I'm going to be combating. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let me know in any way I can support there. If there's anything I can do to put any kind of link in the show notes as well to something like that because that's absolutely a great cause. And it's great that you're, you're working on that. You're climbing the mountains, you're saving the mountains, 
It's pretty awesome what you're doing. John, thanks so much for being here, doing this interview. And I was going to say earlier too, but I forgot. Now I remember is I'm grateful to have you on here for free, knowing that you go and, and you get paid thousands of dollars to do speaking events. So thanks for coming on here and sharing your knowledge with everyone. I appreciate it. I'm sure everyone else appreciates it too. Yeah, you got it. If anybody wants more information or take any of my courses, you can come over to my website, johnbd.com. And um, if you search on any social media, the one I use most is Instagram. You can follow me. It's at John Beattie, J-O-H-N-B-E-E-D-E. And of course, order the Warrior Challenge. Thanks so much for having me, Trip. Awesome, John. Thanks so much. <laughs>